The following podcast has been paid for by the middle-aged outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 24 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. We are in June 1998, summer loving, Adam. Yeah. But before we get to all the um, all the wonderful things that WWF and WCW have got for us, just a couple of things to get to before we get to their first. It's Adam's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> another year on the clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling every bit of it as well. <laughs> yeah, if you were to liken your age to a wrestler, do you think you could pinpoint? Uh, uh, actually, forget that. You are almost bang on the age of Sergeant Slaughter when he was sporting that beautiful turquoise turtleneck when we saw him at that last pay per view when he said, "I will." Represent Mr. Farouk. There you go. So, so if I mumble, uh, forget how to count, and just generally can't speak, I'm just going to blame that specific age. There you go. Yeah. Which is crazy, and then you you think about someone like an AJ Styles or a Christian, who I, I believe is like 49 or something, which is just... Yeah, I think, I think they age a little bit better these days, the, the, the more modern ones. You think? Yeah. Yeah, just just a little bit. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention was we're almost, I think I said just now, we're eight days out from our one year anniversary of our very first show. Um, our what did we do? Top five heel turns. I think that was it. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like we recorded it in a cave, um, <laughs> in like Afghanistan or something. But here we are, twenty four episodes later, still going strong. I suppose if, if you want to improve every time, the real key is starting out quite bad. There you go. Because then it's a lot easier. Aye. And I mean, by episode 48, imagine the quality. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Well. <laughs> so, June 1998, I've got, some, I've got some facts for you about June 1998, Adam. Go for it. I'm on my game this, this fortnight. So, 1998, June 1998, the English rapper Dave was born. On the 5th of June, 1998. Don't know if you're aware of his work. Is he the guy from the TV show? Uh, Is that a joke? There's there's a TV show called Dave. Okay. Are you sure it's not a TV channel called Dave? (laughs) No, I'm aware of that. But no, I've I've been watching this TV show about an English rapper and the show is called Dave. It's on BBC Two. Okay. I don't know. I've no idea. Okay. I'm sorry. It's quite funny. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Recommended <laughs> by the middle-aged outlaws. Uh, the Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey, was released in cinemas in the US in Shit. June of 1998. Sex and the City premiered on HBO in America. No, you're a big fan. Uh, I, I'm aware of it. I was a big fan of the Truman Show. That was <laughs> a very, very clever film. Me too. Kind of makes me want to go watch it. Yeah. Um, Michael Jordan. Won his third straight MVP 
leading the Chicago Bulls to their uh, third consecutive NBA championship win over your Utah Jazz, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. That and does not seem like it should be over 20 years ago, but oh never mind. God. And the very first ever Glastonbury Festival was held. Wow. I'm going to give you a chance to guess the three headliners. So, 1998, Glastonbury. You would think it'd be a big deal. Uh, three, okay, I'll guess uh, Radiohead, Oasis, and The Verve. Those are good guesses, I think. Did, did the drugs don't work? And the verve sort of big spike. I think that maybe came 1997. That's a good guess. None of them are right, but they're Damn good. It. You're close. With, you were close with Oasis. Think, think. When they were thinking wrestling, think of their rivalry. Blur. Yeah. Uh, I guess Blur with the Saturday with Primal Scream. Okay. And we had Pulp. That sounds like quite a good show. Mm. I so would have enjoyed that. There you go. Yeah. I'll try and remember to do that for the next. <laughs> Can't promise. Just make us feel even older. Uh, that's a fair point. That's a... <laughs> so we, this show, June 1998, we've got WWF's King of the Ring and we've got WCW and NWO's Great American Bash. Um, in the spirit of getting the good stuff over first, Adam, that's what we're definitely doing. We'll start with WCW. Okay. What uh, what direction do you want to go? Because we've listed some positives about the show and some negatives about the show. So, yeah, let's, we'll we'll definitely we definitely don't want to be breaking down each each match. That's that's, <laughs> that's certain. Let's let's talk likes and likes and dislikes. Okay. Um, and let's let's tee it up before we go anywhere. So, this is our eighth annual Great American Bash. We're in Baltimore, home of. Your, your Ravens? Uh, that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not... I can take or leave the Ravens. I, I don't mind them. I, I, I don't particularly like them either. Okay. Um, looking across the match card, some of the storylines on the go, we, of course, of course, we've got the, the splinter of the NWO, we've got Hollywood NWO and the Wolfpack. They seem to just be referring them to black and white and red and black. Sometimes they're referring them as Wolfpack. Um, we've got Booker T and Chris Benoit have been going back and forward on a, a best of seven yeah. uh, series. So we've got we're not. <laughs> this is WCW, so obviously this is not the seventh match. This is the eighth match. The seventh <laughs> match was ruined by Bret Hart trying to recruit Chris Benoit for the for the red uh, the the black and white the Hollywood. Um, Faction of the NWO, that was just needlessly complicated as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. What else we got? We've got Jericho and Malenko have still got their beef going on. Uh, Chavo and Eddie are, I've got to a point where they're, they're um, going to have a, a match. Um, Goldberg's on 99 and 0. And <clears throat> I don't want to talk about Hogan. <laughs> you can you can explain what's going on, Hogan, Savage, Piper, 
God. Oh, I was thinking, you know, it, it's it's pretty much the headline of the whole show. We could just not even reference it. <laughs> just pretend it never happened. <laughs> With the tag team titles, that seems to be the sort of main event, which is which is odd, but for, this sums up WCW and everything. The main event of this pay-per-view is for the tag team titles, and it's a singles match between Sting and the Smoking Giant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where should we start? Dislikes or likes? Uh, I, I, I suppose it depends how we want to start the show. Do we want to start off hot, you know, talking about positives and, and really getting going, bring ourselves down a little bit with the, the negatives which we know are going to come? I, I, I don't mind. I've let's, got them all listed here in front of me. Okay, let's start with likes. Let's go positive start with likes. Dislikes often come with a bit of swearing and fun so let's do some likes <laughs> okay these these aren't the most straightforward because in some of them there's a little bit of crossover but i can kind of for mine i can kind of talk about these as i go um but the first positive that i i, I would like to bring up is uh, not just the storyline um but the match as well between booker t and chris benoit yep um i think you, you mentioned the bret hart interference which I get they maybe wanted there to be a bump in the road and not a clean uh, finish to what had been the final match of their best of seven series um, but I think they could have done it in a different way and not involve Bret Hart that seemed a little bit unnecessary to me but however aside from that um, these are two guys Booker T and Benoit who we've seen over quite a few previous shows and they've They've been involved uh, with each other storyline wise fairly recently. Um, the idea is that they have had a best of seven series to determine who the number one contender is going to be for Fit Finley and his. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that element later on. But anyway, what belt is it? It's the TV title yeah. belt. Yeah. So uh, Booker T had been quite a long reigning uh, TV champion um, he'd had a few matches with Benoit over over the course of the last few pay-per-views and you know being the TV title I think it's defended on most of the TV that they do um, and the the idea was that uh, Benoit had initially sort of cost Booker T the TV title to Fit Finlay mm -hmm. so he's ended up as champion they are the two sort of people jostling to be number one contender and they've had a, a seven match series between them to determine who that should be. I quite like that type of storyline. <coughs> Excuse me. I like that it's it's being seen as too big for it to just be you know a one off, and then we determine who who's deserving. And there's a sort of natural rivalry rivalry, but respect that's built between the two of them as yeah. well. Um, we've had instances in the past of one of them trying to help the other out when the numbers games caught up with them and they haven't necessarily wanted the help and things like that. But then the favour's kind of been returned the next time that the, the other one is in that predicament. Um, we've had a, a bit of a... The, the finish that we're showing on TV from, from the TV clip from previous was supposed to be match seven, which Benoit won. However... He won after some interference from Bret Hart. He didn't want to take the win that way. Um, so he, you know, as, as a good babyface should, wants to win clean. 
Um, and Booker T respects him for having, you know, not just taking the, the cheap win and, and wanting to have this final match. So, uh, uh, an eighth, but a seventh, uh, match is, uh, decided it would go ahead between the two. They are two that I, I really enjoy watching their ring work. I think they, they go together pretty well. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed their matches with others as well. Um, and it actually made me, I didn't do it. But it made me want to actually go back and, and see what the full seven match series or eight match in the end series between them was. Um, it's a quite, quite a cool thing for them to put on the network just to, to be able to yeah. watch. I don't know if it's available. I'm, I'm assuming it's not, but it would be quite cool to watch through. Yeah, like a special, just watch the yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, or yeah. I keep saying seven, but it ends up being eight matches in the series. Um, so yeah, I, I, that that was the feeling I was left with having watched the build-up and watched this match, is I'd like to have seen the whole thing, um, which isn't, you know, a lot of the uh, the shows we've watched that I, I haven't gone away thinking I want to see more. Um, so that's that's pretty <laughs> rare. Um, and they're both, you're, you're in this slightly strange dynamic of them both kind of being baby faces you know they're both over with the crowd there are some heelish actions over the course by uh most more but more so by benoit over the course of the the last couple of months but they are basically both baby faces in the eyes of the crowd mm-hmm. um so it's not something you see all that often through uh, i suppose you could argue the nwo who knows who's playing what but um for them to make a big deal of a storyline that's basically baby face against baby face i thought was pretty cool as well um, and the match, I just really enjoyed it. It's, it's basically what I expected it to be between the two. It's pretty aggressive. It's pretty hard hitting. It looks pretty stiff. Yep. Um, but they, they, they both work it well. There's some great moves, great counters, um, a few really impressive suplexes and things like that. Um, just a, a really enjoyable match to cap what I thought was a really good story. This was the first time that I... Uh, watched a WCW match and thought that the small ring and the tight ropes uh, really lent itself to a match. It felt like they were just um, sort of careering about the place and coming on a collision course non-stop, mm-hmm. um, which really worked, to your yep. point about it, looking quite stiff. Um, it felt like a match that both really, really wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel choreographed or, or anything like that. It was just, uh, it was one of my likes as well. It's probably the best match for me on the card. Yep. <clears throat> really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd agree definitely in terms of quality of match. I, I didn't think there was anything, there's a few decent matches on here, but I didn't think there was anything that really came close to it, to be honest. Um, yeah, and it did, they made it feel important. And, you know, it's it's very much a secondary title. But the whole program between them felt like it, it was more than that. It had gone above and beyond the TV title yeah. and certainly gone above and beyond the winner getting to face Fit Finlay, which is the only negative about it for me. Um, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson having a match to get to, to go on a date with the Blue Meanie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I did... Um, I don't think I've... Oh, I have put it in my negatives, actually. Just the fact that not only did this feel so much bigger than what it's supposed to lead to, but um, the you know the match quality was never going to hold up between Finlay and one of these guys. Yeah. It's not he's not terrible, but he's not you know at the level that these guys are at. 
and uh, Booker T, who's gone on to win, doesn't have the same chemistry with Fit Finlay as he's got with Benoit. Yeah. Um, and it, it just felt like a, a pretty big anticlimax after going through all this. Yeah, it's almost a come down yeah. that much. Um, I didn't put it on my dislikes, but I certainly didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. How, how can you possibly live up to that? It's, it's, um, it's a shame for, for Fit Finlay, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it's weird booking. It's weird. I, I think you and I quite like the fact that Booker was being built with this TV title from when we started watching in January. Yeah. The decision to take the belt off him for Finlay's felt weird. Um, yeah. Or, or did they take the belt off him for Benoit and then Benoit dropped it to Finlay? I, I can't remember. Uh, Finlay took it direct from Booker. Booker. I, I think that I don't know whether they were always looking, you know, thinking they've got something that works here really well and thinking, well, we could get a lot of matches out of this. We just need to think of a reason why. Mm. And then maybe them thinking, well, we can't have the title flip flopping, you know, every, every other match. But there, there could have been a different way. You know, you could have said, right, it's a best of seven series and whoever comes out on top is the champion at the end. Um, rather than saying whoever wins each match, you know, the belt changes hands or stays with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, the other thing I liked about it, I, I didn't feel like, you know, certainly at the end of the match between Benoit and Booker, I didn't feel like Benoit, who was on the losing side, came out of it looking weaker. No. Um, I felt like it kind of brought both of them up. Um, and it wouldn't have been a surprise from here to see Benoit going in against somebody who's at a higher level than Finlay because he, he even losing the seven series he felt he feels like he's gone beyond that. Yep. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who Benoit is actually paired up with at next pay per view. I'm gonna very quickly do, 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 see his name on the next pay per view. Shocking. <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah, and Booker T Spoiler alert goes on to a match with Bret Hart at the next pay per view, so it's quite interesting. Ah, that's uh, that's I know Bret Hart doesn't have the best WCW run of all time, but that that type of matchup always... interests me a bit more. Yeah, me too. Um interestingly I think at that time, round about this time, uh, Meltzer had described Benoit as the best wrestler in the world. Um, okay. and you'd be pretty hard pushed. To, to find somebody that would come close to him, I think, across yeah, both I think, companies. I think one of the things that leapt out at me when I'm watching it, because I hadn't, you know, I, I probably hadn't seen many of his matches other than the ones that have been on the shows we've been watching recently. I, I hadn't seen an awful lot of his WCW work, um, but his, his selling is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, and I, I remember it in WWE in his later days in his work, he, how believable he makes his opponent's offense look. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's there for all to see in these matches as well. Absolutely. Um, you got any other likes from this card? I know it's uh, slim pickings after this match. But... <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got, um, so I've put down the, the Jericho Malenko thing. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the last show. Uh, uh, with less, the... less pumpkins on Malenko. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that is clearly a thing. Um, he, he, he needs that type of gimmick. Um, yeah, this, the, the only issue I had with it is for them to have gone through everything with Malenko. He's 
you know, they, they just for storyline purpose, what they've done, they've held the belt up because basically the then storyline, I think the situation was that uh, Malenko was dressed as somebody else to win the Battle Royal to get the title match. Jericho didn't know Malenko was even involved in any of this. Then Jericho loses the belt to Malenko. Um, I think he's, it sounds like he's just whined and complained about it ever since yeah, losing it. He said he's a victim of a conspiracy. Yeah. Um, so the title's been held up. So there's no champion going into this match between Jericho and Malenko. Um, the, they they have an okay match. Uh, it's it's a far longer match than I think than the one they had for the title. You know there isn't that surprise element. There yep. isn't the um, you know you know what you're getting this time. Um, Milenko out wrestles Jericho for you know quite a period of time early on. Uh, he's out manoeuvring him. He looks like he's got Jericho really frustrated. Uh, there's some good moves and counters between the two. Um, Jericho. Eventually gets control. He's playing it really cocky in the ring. Um, he's agitated by uh, crowd chants and, you know, it makes him delay and make mistakes and things like that, passing the control back to Malenko. Um, I thought, there you know, was a, there in. There was a little bit too much of that, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, that, that, I think they overdid it, they overegged it. Um, but I thought, you know, in ring, it, it was a decent enough match. The the finish that they go with is that um, I'm trying to remember the phrase that Jericho taunts Malenko by shouting. Uh, it's, it's you're nothing, just like your dead father. It's unbelievable. So uh, when Jericho has, has said that, uh, we've we've been through storyline where um, they've played into the fact that that Malenko's dad, who I think was a a famous wrestler himself, then a trainer, um, he has died and they're using the elements of this in storyline um, and on hearing that Malenko just explodes into rage, attacks Jericho, flurry of punches uh, throws him into the guardrail hits Jericho with the chair um, so Malenko gets DQ'd, so in normal situations where it's a title match, where there's a champion and a challenger, the title would only change hands via pinfall or submission uh, in this scenario, and the announcers take a little while to, you know, communicate this and explain it, and they seem more baffled by it than I think. You know, you could have got to the conclusion a bit easier than they play it out. There's no champion; the title's been held up. So whoever wins this match by whatever method is surely champion. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jericho wins by DQ, and they've, you know, you can see from that they've still got somewhere to go mm-hmm. with this storyline. There hasn't been a a clean, definitive, decisive win uh, by Jericho, but he's now got the title back. Um, I did think it's just a little bit of a shame for the Malenko character to get his big comeback, win the title, then lose it, but they haven't had him give it up in a way that makes him look inferior or weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's been on a... You know, almost like a technicality, um, and sort of the the heelish antics of of Jericho have caused it. But I, I'm not hating the story, and I quite enjoyed the match. So um, that was I, I, I was struggling a little bit to get all my positives from this, but I thought that was quite quite good. Do you know what I really? I had this. I like it. I really liked the finish. Actually, mm-hmm. um, for WCW, it was it could quite easily be looked at as like oh another sort of funky finish mm-hmm. but 
it made sense. It was totally logical. The the thing that Jericho brought up to him, the way that Malenko snapped, was logical. It's not in his character, you know. Like he's not a shamrock. He's not going to start throwing referees about the place. He's yeah. he's a sort of stoic guy that you know he just goes about his business. So um, it all made sense to me. I liked the whole sort of silliness of Jericho running across the road and um, running <laughs> away into the building. And, yeah. and I'm not really knowing. You know, the, 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 like you said, the commentary team were saying, well, whoever wins is supposed to win the belt and nor- normal rules. Do they apply or do they not re- really apply with disqualification and all that sort of stuff? I really liked it, actually. Yeah. Um, that was a big like for me. Um, after that, I'll be honest with you, Adam, I'm struggling a little bit. I've got yeah. um, I've got the fan sign that says Gold- Goldberg can jackhammer me anytime. Um, yep. There was aspects... <laughs> Aspects of Saturn and Canyon that I liked, it probably outstayed its welcome by about eight minutes, and the the, the ending <laughs> to the match was messy to me. But like, I, I find Canyon fascinating to watch in the ring. I really liked him as Mortis. I think we've seen him yeah. once. Yeah. Um, and I, I really liked that gimmick, and I think even that gimmick would work now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sorry. Go yeah, on. I did. I did have in my notes. Um, for you know Canyon and Saturn, that Canyon just has something. There's something about him that's uh, watchable and interesting. Um, uh, he's kind of got a, a a charisma about him that I I just don't think was ever fully capitalised on, really. Um, so yeah, if uh, again struggling to get the likes for for this one, I I did note that. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I was full of hope and I probably could have entered it as a heading for my likes before the, the card even started about Chavo and Eddie, but that, that no. fell a bit flat, unfortunately. Do you know, like, I'm just looking at this card on, on Wikipedia and the pacing of it was really odd. The, the first three matches are almost, you know, the first three matches nearly take about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the back end of the pay-per-view, I, I remember watching... Sting Giant and doing that thing where you check to see how long's to go to see how many run-ins we're going to get and, and it just seemed like I had hardly any time left it was, it was quite a and I, I, the reason I say that is because Chavo Eddie, the, the fans just were not interested in it at all Yeah, it's it's a shame that one because I think we've both been really enjoying what's gone before and the intrigue about what way it could turn and um you know, would would Chavo go a bit dark, even though he's fighting against it himself and all, all that? And it it just fell flat. I was I was really excited watching it, thinking I've been enjoying this so far, so I should enjoy what's about to happen. It just didn't hit. It was terrible. It went again. It went really long. Yeah, they had Chavo acting almost sort of like split personality. Mm-hmm. Not sure whether to high five the crowd and then. That was really odd to me. I don't know if I was missing something. No, I, th- I think they've, I don't know, made a leap and gone gone just too far like with a it. A little bit cartoon, a little bit uh, caricature with it. Yeah, I also thought um, when the match ended, I, I was waiting for something after the match because, mm. you know, this story's gone along and along and along and then there was nothing. Basically, it was a crowd shot and then back to whatever's next. Um, the, the odd thing about it as well, to me, and it's, it's maybe just bias from looking back at it but to me like Eddie was so far ahead of him in the ring it was mm-hmm. it was weird that he beat him 
Yeah. Especially the way that they were wrestling. It wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I didn't didn't like it at all. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. Because it had been one of the better storylines on the go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. We both we both definitely commented it mm-hmm. that we liked it. Um can I can I can I have a bit of a, a moan on a Do dislike? It. Go for it. Twice on this pay-per-view. Once as it opened, and I think once before Hogan, Hart, Piper and Savage. Heenan and Shivoni basically summed up what was about to happen and said, what do you think, Mike Tenay? And Mike Tenay literally almost said the exact same thing that they said. And they're like nodding and going, hmm, really insightful. Twice he did yeah. it. Did you I, notice I no- this? Yeah, I noted it. I, I made note of it because it was it was really strange. It was like they it was almost like they weren't listening to each other uh-huh. at all. Um because it was basically repeated almost word for word and then no acknowledgement that it had been exactly the same as what had been said before. Like a a, a sarcastic you know, comment from Brain saying, mm, you know, like that'd have been quite funny, but no. Yeah. It, it was almost like he was translating it for another language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, was that really was, weird. Yeah, yeah. Michael yeah, Buffer? Was... Hmm? Michael Buffer? What about him? He's now ruining WCW pay per views for me. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah. Uh, he is the master <laughs> of the flying elbow. <laughs> Is he, Michael? <laughs> uh, Do you like yeah, him? Does he bother I'd, you? No, nah, it, it's I, I've I've had my revelations about him because <laughs> I, I I remember thinking, oh my god, Triple H is actually mocking him because I was watching <laughs> w, WWE at the time. I, I just thought Triple H was doing a bit. I thought mm-hmm. he was doing a thing, and then I, I saw uh, Michael Buffer, and I was like, oh wait a minute, now That's I get it, and stupid. then I felt really stupid. But other than that. I think I always think when I hear his voice, okay, they want this to be a big match. Then uh, that that's the only thing that really crosses my mind. But uh, in terms of what he actually says, I don't know. Maybe I kind of zone out and don't pay attention. It really annoys me. <laughs> he's not a, not a shadow on his brother. <laughs> uh, what other dislikes you got for this? Right, this this one is a little bit more. Um, just uh it's not specific to this pay-per-view it's just in general and it's what what are they doing with bret hart (laughs) like why is he involved in this hogan and bret against savage and pipe why is he involved in this nonsense why is he stuck under hogan's armpit what why and if ah it's such a waste of talent it's he's come in they they would have had endless possibilities about what they could have done with him. He has been red hot on their main rival company, had this massive public falling out, come across that he signed the WCW letters in the WWE ring. And then he just comes across and it's, it's like, all right, Brett, you're just another guy going uh, buddy up next, Hogan. You can, you can be like... Um, Beefcake or whatever they call him now, just kind of, you know, stand there and do a bit. And then we'll have you interfere in some matches and, you know, try and recruit some people. Why is he not just put in a proper rival, a proper feud that, you know, I just don't get it. 
and it annoys me. It's unbelievable. It's almost a skill, or it's like someone's dared someday. I bet you can't ruin Bret Hart. <laughs> like somebody says, impossible. It'd be, it'd be impossible, and and you know the whole thing about Vince saying they wouldn't know what to do with you. And it's like, you know, people will say, well, I could manage Rangers or Celtic. I could win the league with Rangers or Celtic. And then somebody's went in and started playing a right back up front. <laughs> as a laugh. What? I to- 100% agree with you. It's an absolute... It's just a joke. It's a mess. It's, it's, quite, um, yeah, it's quite depressing, actually, to see. You see him coming out in that match... He does look down in the dumps when he's coming out with Hogan, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, he, he can't... I know, you know, there's been the talk. I've, I've listened to a few things about it, and I assume the truth of it is somewhere in the middle that uh, Bischoff says that when Brett came across, he, he did not get the WWE's version of Bret Hart because he was so devastated by everything that happened at the end and the way he left that he was never really the same again. But try and bloody motivate him. I know. No wonder. <sighs> yeah. You started him off being a, a guest referee for a match with um, Bischoff and, and Larry's Wisco. And then getting involved in a screwy finish with, what was that, with, with Sting and Hogan? Was that that pay-per-view in 97? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. Even the way you introduced him, and I get, I don't think he could wrestle. Well, just mm-hmm. hold, hold him off then. Yeah. Don't don't have the NWO coming out with Canadian flags the night after Survivor Series '97. Have mm-hmm. you know, like keep your powder dry, calm yourself down, and 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 put together an actual some sort of uh, storyline and 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 like timeline for them. Yeah, absolute nonsense. He must have been watching matches like uh, Benoit and Booker T, and thinking, just put me in with these guys. Mm-hmm. Just let, don't worry about where I am on the card. Just let me go in with somebody and have an actual, like, wrestling match. Totally. Yeah. I, I was trying to think about this and trying to compare it to what AEW have done with CM Punk. <coughs> um, and, you know, like, they've obviously brought him in and he's, I don't know, I, I guess it's, again, somewhere in between, between him and Tony Khan, and he's wanted to work with certain people to to lift them up, use his star power to lift them up. So he worked with Darby yeah. Allen. We we spoke about that. He's worked with lots of other guys <clears> as well. Um, and even if they did that with Bret Hart, so bring him in and have him go in with Benoit, Booker T, Guerrero, yeah. Jericho. I don't know. I don't. I. There's there's so much talent there that he could have had a brilliant program with. And then once he's done that, he's had these. These just pure wrestling matches, which is what Bret Hart's all about. Mm-hmm. Maybe then have him get involved with your absolute nonsense at the top that's being run by about six different people with creative control. <laughs> Even if you didn't want to do that, he, he had that match with Savage. It's, it seems like it's sort of fell off of things, and the the whole highlight now is or the whole focus is Piper and Savage, which yeah. you know like you've got your commissioner involved in. Nonsense. Yeah, um, it, it's it's really frustrating. It feels like the kind of thing <laughs> there should almost be consequences for it. Like <laughs> someone someone should be fired for not getting that right. I think as Bischoff calls him uh, bitter and 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 said he was a depressed person. All that. It's, surely it's your job. It, 
you know, you kind of sit here 15, 20 uh, years later and and slag him off. It was your job to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I find, yeah. find his arrogance really, really <laughs> annoying. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's probably about as heated as it gets on this. Yeah, that, it's... It's probably the thing that annoyed me most and this show, I don't know, was maybe in my mind it coming to a head. Um just seeing him stuck in there doing this. But anyway. You, you, yeah. you feel you do feel you feel like he's been dragged down, he's standing there with Nash <laughs> And Hogan's Hogan and you know, like I don't know, Hogan's up to all sorts of nonsense, but I at least I think in that match Hogan Hart versus Piper and Savage. I think Brett tried to do some wrestling moves, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. He, he was still yeah. still doing his stuff, but it's tough going. I mean, I think that you know the matchup, like you mentioned, Brett and Savage is of interest. I don't know that there's real in-ring interest in Piper here by this stage. I think he's he's done. Um, yeah, just even with what they're working with here, they could have done it better and got more out of it. <sighs> well, yeah. if you think that was heat, wait till you hear my take on Reese versus Juventud Guerrero. No, I'm just, <laughs> just joking. You thought that was a good idea. Let's have a giraffe fight a beetle. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I can see what they were trying to do, trying to make Juventud's. You know, the guy with no quit in him just keeps coming back for more, never beat by this monster, but uh, yeah, it didn't really do much for me. What a nonsense. You got uh, any any more rants you want to have? Uh, buffer, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've actually written about Tony twice in my notes. I was obviously quite annoyed about it. <laughs> uh, nah. I, I, just, I just said Hogan and Hart versus Piper and Savage was so clunky and awkward like they only get just over ten minutes, but they do next to nothing in the match. Yeah, a few rakes of the eyes. That's oh, terrible. It's really let's, bad. That's supposed to be your your top line stars. Let's uh, let's see if I can get you worked up about one more thing, right? Because you you definitely uh-huh. mentioned this to me at some point through the week. Yeah, go on. St- Sting in the wolf pack. Right. So. You've got a character, a baby-faced character, the NWO takeover, he turns his back on the company because he's fed up with this sort of poison that's been injected, to use Vinnie Mac's description, <laughs> into the company. So he disappears, he turns dark, he stays up in the, whatever, what would you call it? Rafters. In the rafters, looking yeah. down, and it's he's went from this sort of ray of light to darkness and and all that sort of stuff, because of this faction. Fast forward a, f- a few months, and he's joined them, and he's wooing, and he's thrown up the Wolfpack sign, and he's got red face paint, and b- the guy that basically orchestrated it is now his best mate. What a load of sh- absolute nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd been the ultimate loner. You know, they, they always played on the fact, I think he has quite a long relationship with uh, Lex Luger, mm-hmm. but beyond that, you know, he he was the loner. The the he he spent a year being a loner, and then it's just like ah, oh, let's just pretend that never happened. <laughs> really I, I, weird. I could get if he fe- you know, even if they played it as if he felt he had to align himself with someone, 
well, they're mm-hmm. taking over, so I may as well align myself with someone. They've got my back and all that sort of stuff. But nah, he's just like all smiles throwing up the wolf pack, <laughs> saying like, yeah, I'm a part of this. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> what a nonsense. The fit and the, the giant coming out smoking and Bischoff saying that the reason behind it was so that he looked like a badass. He looked like a fat, out of shape idiot. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. The smoking thing, that, that was really weird. Apparently, uh, Bischoff also said on his podcast that he was trying to blend real life with the characters and he wanted to take elements of Paul White's real life, which was that he was a chain smoker. Like, of all the things, he could have come out eating a bowl of cereal if he enjoyed eating cereal in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Supposed to be presenting them as, you know, like they're at the next pay per view, they're teaming up with NBA. Superstars, you're supposed to be presenting them as like these supposed real life athletes. He's coming out smoking. The 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 thing it the only thing it made me think was well, there were kind of two levels. One, I was thinking uh, he he can't be bothered with this. He has <laughs> he has no interest in in this match and being there or any of it. And the, the other side of it was like um, if you, if you try to stay in storyline, it was like either a uh, can't be bothered with the titles, you know, they're, they're an irrelevance to him. So then why are they even bothering having the match? And also quite disrespectful to Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't get any value in any of it. It just seemed weird. Did you hear who the Giant had picked to be his partner if he'd won control of the titles? No. Did you not? I, I think I missed it. Although the, if you mention it, I might. The Disciple was going to be his, his tag partner. Ah. Uh, could have been the greatest tag team combination of all time. <laughs> also, in that, um, in the Hogan and Hart versus Piper and Savage match, did you see that? He, I think he, the one thing that that Beefcake had to do, he messed up. He he hit whoever it was coming off the ropes with the belt right in front of the referee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that guy. Oh, safe to say we didn't massively enjoy w- WCW's Great American Bash, is it not? Yeah, I think the the thing I felt for a f- quite a few of the pay per views I've watched is they do a lot of the wrestling early on, so you get some decent wrestling matchups early on. Um, when those don't really hit, when they don't really grab you, because you know I mentioned before I loved Booker and Benoit. And I thought Jericho Malenko was good. Beyond that, there there wasn't really anything there that was grabbing me. Um, and I think uh, if that hasn't grabbed you, and you kind of know that the last couple of matches are just going to be a shit show because it's it's everything that you've seen <laughs> over several months. I, if if you're not getting either part of it really right, it's you're just not going to enjoy the show. Yeah, it's a slog, a big slog. Yeah. And while we're on a, a downward curve, just think about this. Benoit, Canyon, Eddie, Rick Rude, Kurt Henning, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, all featured heavily on this card, all no longer with us. Wow. That's a lot of names. Is he? Uh. Oh well. <laughs> Happy summer faces. <laughs> let's shall we? Shall, let's let's go over and see what WWF got for us, will we? 
Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I don't know. Are we better going negatives first and then we end on a high? Or right, a... Let's do that. To be fair, I don't have a huge amount of dislikes, but you, you might. Um, but, but uh. Before we do, let's, let's set the table. Uh, sixth annual King of the Ring. Um, we are in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. Uh, big storylines. Austin's still champion. He's come off the series with Dude Love. Um, I'd read that the initial intention was to go for another one, uh, Dude Love Austin, but they'd felt that that just maybe that it had run its course. And I think you'd described that pretty well in the last yeah. the last podcast that we did. Um, our Mister McMahon character is still developing. Um, he's got his stooges with him, and and that's a big part. He's, he, I think I spoke about it, but I feel like he's probably the best character they've got. Yeah, on the TV. Yeah, um, DX and the Nation are kind of like your big feud that's going on. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. As yeah. far as, as far as the King of the Rings concerned, we've got the semi-finals on the actual pay-per-view. So we've got The Rock taking on Dan Severn. Dan Severn's went basically went through the nation. He beat D'Lo and he beat Owen. Yep. Um, he's now at The Rock. And we've got Shamrock versus Jeff Jarrett. So, start with your dislikes. This pay-per-view, obviously, is pretty much famous for one thing. Um, yep. However, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about our dislikes and we'll talk about our likes. Let's go. Okay. So, um, the first dislike that I'm going to mention is fine. It's in isolation. It doesn't link to anything else. So, I can just have a little bit of a rant. So we've uh, we've got Al Snow, who has uh, started appearing in WWE, and he's kind of got this storyline dynamic going on with um, Jerry Lawler, who I think had tried to use him as his lackey at a point, and now Al Snow wants to get a meeting with Vince McMahon. He wants to get a job. He wants to be in the company, and he's become like an irritation to, to Jerry Lawler. Um, this all leads to a match where if Al Snow uh, can win... Uh, a match he is going to get to get his meeting with uh, Vince McMahon he is going up against Too Much yep. which is uh, Scotty Too Hotty the uh, the inventor of the worm and uh, Grandmaster Sexi the uh, the son of Jerry Lawler although it's one of this, it's a weird dynamic that one because they, they always have one storyline JR winding him up about it and, and Lawler refusing to acknowledge that he's his son. But anyway, um, we, we're going to have a match and it's those two against Al Snow and it's, you know, it looks like it's a, a handicap match type situation. Um, although Al Snow has head with him. Um, Jerry Lawler gets introduced, surprisingly, as the special guest referee. Um, JR's horrified by this. It's not fair. Um <laughs> Lawler is uh, playing the heel in the ring. He's, you know, he's refusing to count when when Al Snow's in good situations. He's basically shoving him about and and pull, removing him from any uh, situation where he looks like he might get on top and things like that. This is all fine, but the finish of this is quite possibly the worst thing I've ever seen. Um. We get Al Snow, he performs a move and covers, uh, I think it's Scotty Too Hotty. Um, and at the same time, someone has been thrown to Brian Christopher, 
who then uh, leans down on head, the mannequin head, um, and Jerry Lawler counts the pin. I think Al Snow briefly thinks he's won. Um, he hasn't. Uh, Brian Christopher's arm gets raised. What we see is that uh, a bottle of head and shoulders shampoo has been attached to the bottom of the mannequin head. The shoulders were down on the mat, so the pin counted. So, uh, yeah, Al Snow lost. The, you know, Al the, Snow and, and Head lost. Al Snow and Head lost. I, I, I just, the, this, the story of the head and shoulders thing made me angry. It just really annoyed me. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, nonsense going on at this point. I I just, that must be my point where it's gone too far. Because <laughs> I, I was watching it and it's that thing where you start remembering that this happens. And you're just, ah, oh, yeah, the, this, this annoyed me. Yeah, yeah me too. The, the angle annoyed me because... What you know, like given what we've watched as far as the first two ECW pay per views of the year, Al Snow's headline both of them, um, and we've seen the crowd reactions to him, how ridiculously over he is. Um, yeah. The whole thing that they made of his entrance with everyone in the the crowd with the heads, and he comes back, and and this is this is what they brought him back for. You know, like we spoke about the whole thing about um, what's his name. I haven't taught mine blank. ECW champion. Uh, Shane Douglas? Shane Douglas. You know, yep. we spoke about yep. him. Drop, could he have dropped the title to Al Snow and all that? Well, he's yeah. obviously been called back by WWF. This is what they brought him back for. Yep. This. I, like, it doesn't even... Yeah. Is it, is, it, is it supposed to be entertaining? Obviously, it's nonsense. Total nonsense. I don't know what to see Jerry Lawler. It, it was like house show... Again, it's kind of like yeah. house show behaviour with the whole, like, yep. you know, like showing a fist to the fans and all that sort of stuff. Like, fine. That's uh-huh. that's fun and entertaining and all that. Yeah, this is awful. Yeah. That that was my main... So I, I'm going to call it a standalone dislike because I do have a dislike, but it's attached to something that I have a, a, a like attached okay. to. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a cu- another couple of dislikes if you want me to jump in with them then. Go for um, it. Despite his amazing theme song, um, I wasn't digging Dan Severn one bit. I thought him and The Rock just, you know, like we've talked about The Rock and Shamrock having chemistry. Well, Severn and The Rock <laughs> had whatever the opposite of chemistry is. They were absolutely terrible together. Yeah. Um, the Dan Severn thing never really got over. I never really got it. Um, I think the whole thing was supposed to be that people were supposed to expect that Shamrock and Dan Severn were going to be in the final and they were going to have some sort of, you know, like quasi MMA fight. Yeah. Um, maybe just uh, sort of, you know, like looking back and, and, and having. Uh, the knowledge of what was going to happen, but you know, like, wh- wh- how would Dan Severn beat The Rock? Yeah, it sounds it, ridiculous because obviously he's a shoot fighter, but yeah, mm-hmm. I never. Yeah, I, I think um, the the Dan Severn thing never worked. It, 
there's something Shamrock has from a natural charisma yep. point of view yep. that Dan Severin doesn't have. 100%. And um, yeah, the, the, I remember at the time being slightly intrigued of, oh, I keep being told these are two, you know, uh, MMA guys that are that have been right at the top. And the assumption that they would do a programme with them at some point, I, I don't even remember them ever really making a big deal out of it if they did. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and I, I would have been, I, I remembered, you know, I remember so much about this card without, you know, even before I'd rewatched it. And I remembered it was Rock and Shamrock that were in the final. Yep. And I was happy to be seeing that because we've seen it work so well before. They, they like you mentioned, they've got natural chemistry. It, it just works. They click. Um, yeah, Dan Severin is a, a, a little bit of a kind of a personality vacuum. There's just, <laughs> there's just nothing there. The, the the thing that I did like about this was with the big um Dilo appearing, you know, after yes. there was a, a ref uh, distraction and we got Dilo appearing with the whatever that is that he's wearing on his chest. Chest protector, and, yeah. yeah. And I'm hitting an absolutely beautiful frog splash on on Dan Severn for the rock to win. I like that. Yeah, it was it was nice story as well because I believe Severn had been the one that he'd been in the match with when he yeah. got caught in the hold and and that's when he, he, he got the injury. And I think he maybe keeps the chest protector for ages. And um you know like newer fans will, will like to to know where the uh, the origin for Ro- for Roman Reigns' ring <laughs> attire came from as well. <laughs> I, I always liked Delo. Delo was oh, great. Yep, yeah, definitely. And um also, this is the first we we spoke about this the last time, but this is the first pay per view where uh, Kama Mustafa is announced as the Godfather. Yeah, the the boys in the back call him the Godfather. Well, so does Howard <laughs> Finkel now. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah, my other dislike was just Shamrock Jeff Jarrett. It just served a purpose to get Shamrock to final, basically. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, um, I didn't love. I. I, I, I there's something about this. I, I had it in my notes, but uh, there's something about this Jeff Jarrett, uh, and it's every time. I just don't, I don't want to see him when I when he appears on screen. It's like this overwhelming feeling to change the channel, <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of always had that with this version of him. I think once he, you know, became different characters, and I remember him teaming Owen and things like that, and you know, he'd, he'd have the guitar that he'd hit over people's heads. I, it's not that I was a fan of that, but there's something about this version where he's still being like, you know, the country music singing guy with Tennessee Lee and all that. I, yeah, I, it I just really, really irritated me. But he's a heel, so, you know, maybe that was always the plan. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Shall we, shall we talk about likes? Like, f- before we do, I feel like, with the exception of one of these matches... The first half of this pay per view was dull, boring, yeah. rubbish. The the last hour is maybe more is just like complete box office. I've probably watched it about goodness knows how many times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some good stuff in here as well. Yeah. Um the the first sort of positive that I was going to mention, which isn't involving uh, either of the the two final matches, was we got to see Shamrock v the Rock again. Yep. Um, and 
it just for me underlined you know how we've gone through all this with uh, The Rock facing Farouk a bunch of times? Ah, yeah, yeah. It just made me even more think how bad that was because he and Shamrock just have it. These two are amazing. Totally. Yeah. Um, and they were just a perfect match against each other. Um, we did have this sort of added element of Triple H uh, in the, the announced team. There are many things, this. many buy things I am. Um... But Lingwell's not one of them. <laughs> the immortal line. Yep. I mean, there's... Wait, did there's I mean few, to say that? There's a, there's a few things in here. I did... Like, see when he's he's this version, and he is pretty young and all that, and I must have been just probably too old to be laughing as much as I was <laughs> at this, but I was still laughing a lot at it. Um, and he's doing the, you know, testes, testes, one, two, <laughs> testes, not that. Three? <laughs> one, two... Three, <laughs> um, that that got me as well. I, I I found all that very funny at the time. Now when I hear it, I'm a bit like, ah, come on. But it it worked at the time. It's amazing to me to think that it, it wasn't main event at this point because mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's big. He's a big personality and physically he's big. Uh, it's yeah. really funny to think that he was European champion for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that as well. Yeah, Taco I thought, Bell, Taco Bell. I think they're talking about you know China's sitting on the Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a good match, and you know it's for King of the Ring. It, it kind of makes sense to me that these would be the kind of guys in the mix at the stage they're at in their career yeah. to to win it. Um, I think we've always sort of thought could they have maybe done a bit more with Shamrock and things like that, and this. This step, uh, Shamrock goes on and, and, and wins King of the Ring. This step of winning it is quite often been the sign that the guy's about to be propelled to, to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, never really happened for him. Um, but I did like the fact that so often in their program between the two, the rock has got away with it. Mm-hmm. He's managed to sneak out of it. He's managed to weasel out in some way. Uh, and keep his intercontinental belt or whatever it was they were feuding over. But Shamrock got his win yeah. this time. Nice and clean. Nice yeah. and clean. Tapped him in the middle of the ring. I like that as well. Yeah. Um, I like for me. Um, you alright there? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there was a door moved. <laughs> um, another like for me that's sort of uh, out with the sort of main event scene was X Pack and Own Heart. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I think I've said, I had this on video, I can remember buying it on video, and that chair shot that X-Pac, they show a little um, couple of bits that's went, that's happened between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think on the Monday Night Raw, previous to the pay-per-view, X-Pac had hit Owen with a chair, and one needs to get staples in the back of his head. And the, the chair shot that X-Pac hits Owen Hartwell always... It's always made me think that that looks like a really... It, it's not like a sort of orthodox hit on the head. It's right at the back uh-huh. of his head. It looks horrible. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this is X-Pac's first pay-per-view match that he's had since he's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, taking a rest from shooting on Bischoff to, to have a, a fun match. I thought it was a little short, but um, I'd like to yeah. tell him a bit longer. 
Yeah, that that's what I put in my notes actually, because it's when you see these two guys are going up against each other. I, I was quite pretty enthusiastic for it. I thought this will be good, and you know, one's in the nation, the others in DX. There's a a natural story there. Um, I think, and I don't know if this was the purpose, but I. It, by the ending, I was thinking, I want to see more of this. And mm. I don't know if there is any more of it that, to, to come because, yeah, it, it, it wasn't long enough. And it, you know, there's always going to be interference. There was quite a bit of interference towards the end. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was from, from what was actually there, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I just was left thinking I, I could watch a fair bit more of this in a, in a pay per view full of, pretty extravagant bumps. There's there's one this match where Owen whips X-Pac into roundabout where the ring bell mm-hmm. person um, normally sits in. He just, he just flings him. He goes flying. Yeah. With reckless abandon. I like that. And I also enjoyed um, our very own favourite fat piece of shit coming out and <laughs> interfering, taking out Mark Henry as well. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I wrote in my notes that uh, Vader jumps at Mark Henry, then falls several feet back himself. <laughs> I did think it was weird that that China must have, you know, like a Jake the Snake esque DDT because that managed to put Owen Hart away after a mm-hmm. pretty short match. But yeah, um, I enjoyed it anyway. Yep. Um, yeah, that probably leads us to to to, to not really know where to start and what, you know, like what's what's not been said. About the Undertaker and mankind. Yeah, this, this is. I think we've talked before. You know, we've probably both had um, friends who are not into or interested in wrestling, and you know, play it off as that's fake. You know, nobody can get hurt doing that. This is. This was always one of the matches I would try to show people. Yeah. To be like, you know, come on, <laughs> because so much of this stuff cannot not hurt. You know, these guys are. are Doing some pretty brutal stuff in there, and this is this match is it's iconic. You know, it's it's a match that I think everyone who's seen it remembers. And I was saying to you in the build up to doing this, I, I did go back and rewatch it, but I probably wouldn't have needed to. Yeah, I've seen it so many times over the years. Um, I think now matches I still watch it, and I'm hugely impressed by it. There's a lot more, you know, just moments of thinking, why did they do that? You know, the the bumps off the 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 cage, well, off the cage and then through the cage are are, are the obvious ones. But oh, there's so much in here that now this match would be stopped after I assume the first fall or throw off the the cage through the the announce table. Um, because they're they're so much more aware of you know head head trauma mm-hmm. and things like that these days than they were there, because um, this is where I I link a, a dislike into a match which is such an incredible spectacle, which is the the actual you know the punishment Mick Foley is taking. I can't imagine there's anyone that would be listening to us that hasn't seen this match, mm. um, but when he I think they've always said when he goes off the top of the cage and through the announce table, the first big bump, that's actually fairly controlled. They know what they're doing there. He uh, he knows how he ideally wants to land on the announce table and things like that. Which in itself, listen to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's I don't unbelievable. Know, I don't know how high that is. Um 
Yeah, there, there's a there's a bit of backstory that we were talking about the fact that both these guys are pretty banged up going into this. Mm-hmm. Undertaker's um, got a broken bone in his foot or his ankle, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Foley, but yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think from you and I have spoken about this before, but I, th- I think from what I've read is F- Foley's a lot. A lot of Foley's issues in advance of this match are mental, mm-hmm. as far as he's terrified of not. Having as good a match as Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker had in uh, yeah. Bad Blood '97, when they had the very first Hell in a Cell match, um, and his whole sort of thing was like, I, 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 you know, and I need to be able to top this, and I don't think I'm able to. Mm-hmm. Um, and t- I think it was him and Terry Funk had spent a day in Titan Towers, sitting watching the match over and over again, trying to work out what to do. Yeah, um, and Funk had said, "Why don't you start up on the cage and have him throw you off as a joke?" <laughs> oh no! So it's Terry Funk's fault. Why don't you have him? No, I can't do. I can't do. <laughs> that wasn't bad for a starter. Um, yeah, so <laughs> they've had, and it is spectacular seeing them just start on top of the cell. Amazing. Because you've, you've you've not seen that before, you know it's 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 such a brilliant image, and then there's just like this moment where they're fighting towards the corner, and Undertaker just takes it. You know, I'm sure he isn't pushing him at all. It's all fully doing it himself. But the vi- the the visual is Undertaker throws uh, mankind off the corner of the cell, and he uh, falls down and through the announce table. Um, unbelievable watching it because you're just this it doesn't i've talked before about the fact that you know after the first time you see a film that has a big twist it's never the same again Mm -hmm. because you know what's coming and this you know it's never gonna have the same hit as the first time but i still watch and think it's it's incredible to watch i can Uh, i can still watch that and and get goosebumps there's something beautiful about it i think it's the noise from mm. the crowd as he's fallen and then the bang of the table. Yeah. Something really, like, I don't know, mesmerising about you, it. You can see the crowd as well. It's not a... It's a shock look because it, I think it's almost a... Oh, they've actually done this. <laughs> I can't believe what I've just seen. Imagine being there in the crowd because oh it's God. impactful enough watching it, you know, on a TV. Yeah. <sighs> So, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've not read up enough or heard enough about what sort of condition he's, you know, legitimately in when they they have every storyline reason to be able to bring out some medics yeah. because, you know, the guy's just come off the, the top of the cage and through the announce table. So this isn't... For me, if, if I'm, you know, uh, Vince McMahon and I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, yeah, we can just have real life medics out there because that's exactly what you would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know, you know, talked previously about the fact that they don't have the same knowledge of, uh, um, you know, impact on the brain and concussions and all that trauma to the head. But, um, <laughs> I don't know what condition he's actually in at the point that they start trying to remove him from from the ringside area. I think they um, say he had a, separated his shoulder. Right. I think I've I think I've either read or heard that before. Hmm. Um. And then they they do the stuff. I think they have to lift the cell uh, to allow the the medics to get the stretcher and they stuff do. around. Yeah. 
And uh, that Undertaker's that, going up and down on the thing. Yeah, he's he's still stood on top of it. Um and I think he's just, you know, waiting for the okay, I'm not gonna come down uh until I kinda get my cue. Um because in the who knows what of this is actually planned or what of it was, you know, just Mick deciding Right, I'm okay to go, so I'm just going to get off this stretcher. I'm going to let it take me a little bit back, and I'm going to be the guy that stands up because I want to keep going. This is, um, this is sorry to interrupt you, but th- this is the beauty of this match. It's the whole thing about wrestling. You you you, you don't really want to know what's or, or you mm-hmm. you kind of want to get to a position where you're blurring what's real and what's fake. Yeah, um, and what's a spectacle, and this is the perfect. Like you say, you don't know. If how mm-hmm. far how far is he supposed to even be on that stretcher? Is this all planned? It can't be because he's taken the most ridiculous bump on the head. Yeah, and I, I think at this stage, uh, when I was speaking to you about this match before we we were recording, you can play it either way. If you you know if you own the company and this is all happening on your time, if that is the end of that match because he cannot get up and go again. That's fine. Absolutely. Nobody from a value for money point of view is going to say, oh, <laughs> you know, we, we we got screwed there. We didn't, you know, we, we only got a few minutes. It's almost more impactful. It's difficult yeah. to say that's very hypothetical. But the fact that he's come off the top of that thing and hit the table and then, and then got off it and went back in the ring and done everything that he's done. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost... Like a way of saying, well, look, it is fake. Like, look how he's falling. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but um, that's that's kind of beside the point. Yeah. So he, 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 either way, he's part way, you know, going up the ramp, and he he decides he he's going to get off the stretcher, and he wants to go back. How does he climb I, the cage? Yeah, I, I have no idea, and I think Undertaker's actually climbing down the other side. Uh-huh. And uh, when uh, mankind starts climbing the the sort of ramp side end uh, side of the cage, Undertaker starts going back up the other side. A, a lot of the fans start going mad then as well. Love yeah, it's like, oh, well, you're going up. Well, so am I. Then I'll meet you up there. <laughs> yeah, and then we've got them both up on top again. There's a chair up there. Um, I th- did did mankind take that up initially? I think uh-huh. I might have. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a chair up there and. Uh, <laughs> They're they're starting to fight again, and then I I believe from it must be covered in one of Mick Foley's books. The second bump is actually the far more dangerous one, mm-hmm. um, and I think you mentioned something to me about the fact he he, he could easily have been killed doing this. Yeah, he said that. So so when Undertaker choke slams him, he keeps a foot on the floor or on the cage. Yeah, on the top of the hill in the cell, and he'd said that if he's went off his feet, he would have killed him, um, because he would have he would have went up in the air and then down and landed probably on his head or on his neck. Whereas the way that he did it, he kind of fell backwards, but he falls at the most ridiculous angles. Yeah, and then uh, the chair follows him uh, through as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, I I think at, at the point where he he hits the mat. I think it's Jerry Lawler says something like that's it, he's dead. Uh-huh. Um and it's it is one of those uh, should I should have mentioned it for the first bump as well. 
it's one of those matches where some of the the, the commentary work is is iconic. Oh, um, like JR's finest hour. Yeah. Um, what is it? it was, as God is my witness, he's broken in half or something yeah, like that. Exactly. When, but by God, they've killed him. Yep. And these guys, you know, I think there's a few moments where um, JR's shouting, will someone stop the damn match? Yep. And uh, I believe, unless he was involved in the booking and all that at this time, at all times when he could avoid knowing what's supposed to happen, JR did avoid knowing what was supposed to happen yep. because he wanted his reaction uh, on commentary to be as uh, as realistic as possible as if he is seeing this for the first time and did not know that that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that everything we are hearing from the announcers is pretty genuine, you know, they're... they're egging it a bit and things like that but um, I think they cannot believe what they're seeing yeah and who can blame them it's ridiculous yeah I always wonder watching that now what Undertaker must think watching that if he feels remorseful however especially the way things have changed as far as what you've spoke about about concussions and that sort of stuff yeah I had heard um Mick Foley had to talk him into doing this. Right. Like when he, when he first came to him with the idea of, and then, you know, you throw me off the, the cell. Undertaker's like, no, <laughs> nah, we're, we're, we're just not doing that. What else <laughs> you got? Um, and then he eventually kind of wore him down, playing the card of, we, we can't have a great match. I'm not in great shape. Look at what you did with Sean in the, the first Hell in a Cell you've got a broken foot, you know, how can we possibly have a great match? And he eventually kind of wore him down into doing it. Um, and I suppose it, it maybe feels a little bit different if, you know, it's it's not your idea. He, he's not pitching, ah, oh, Mick, I'm just going to throw you off, throw you through, <laughs> all you that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but still, I imagine as soon as it's happened, as soon as the bump's been taken, you're thinking, please get up, please move, mm-hmm. oh, you know, aye. something. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that. Um, so I've heard different things as well as far as that choke slam. Um, I've heard that he wasn't actually supposed to go through. He's just supposed to get choke slammed on top of the cage. I I, I kind of think how that would be true because they're walking across it and it's given way. Yeah, as they're walking across it, but um, or apparently the cage was supposed to give way a little bit and he wasn't supposed to go through it. All that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, he, he ends up. I think he's legit concussed after that one. Um, we get Terry Funk coming out to to try and buy him a little bit of time. He gets choke slammed out of his shoes. Poor Terry. Um, we've got again. We've got millions of of different referees and and medical people in the ring, and the Undertaker's sort of standing, looking over them all like like you know like perfect for his character. He's stood there looking over them like some sort of evil dark lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favourite things about this is when he starts climbing through the cage and jumps down. I think it's Dave Hebner dives across the ring like, <laughs> like he's going to get shot or something like that. Brilliant. And then, and then we continue. We continue into a match. It's 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 almost like it's the start of the match, which is just <laughs> messed up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think you know there there is a a few points when there's a a close up and things like that of uh, Mick Foley, he's he's not there anymore, um, and nowadays even if you'd made it through the first bump, there's no way the match continues after this second one. 
It's absolutely no chance. The, the lights are on, but the, nobody's home. You can see it in his eyes. Definitely, absolutely. He's then got, uh, amazes me, he's, you and I spoke about this, he's got the presence of mind to get the ta- the bag of tacks. Mm-hmm. He's got the presence of mind to, you know, Undertaker goes for his um, walk along, along the ring. Yeah. Uh, and he's got presence of mind to knock him off there. Uh, you know, like whether or not that's Undertaker talking him through that, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he, oh, the, two two things, he jumps up on Undertaker's back and Undertaker gives him his full weight, you know, like does the whole, slams him down. Like that. that's probably broken ribs of some description. Mm-hmm. And then he gets choke slammed into the, on the tacks and not content with just getting slammed on them a little bit, he starts rolling about in them yeah. so that there's more on him. And apparently yeah. he'd said afterwards to, I can't remember who this was, he'd said, oh, did, did I forget to get the tax? I think it was Undertaker. Oh. And he'd said, Mick, look at your arm. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's got them yeah. stuck in them. Uh, um, see, when we go to the finish, so we've got uh, Undertaker tombstone for, for the pin when after all, all that that's gone before, I absolutely love that there's just like this one leg of, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, Mankind's leg is trying to kick. Just like lazily <laughs> yeah. moving. Ah, yeah. And I, I, I love that. And even whether that's intentional or not, I assume he's he's had it in his mind. He wants to be seen that he's still trying to do something. But uh, I, I just love that because, you know, you, you if you're playing this character that, you know, they've said it all, all through the time that doesn't feel pain and all that, enjoys pain, all that kind of thing. He's still kicking. He's still trying. Um, uh, the mo- and and then the fact that he he wants to to walk out. He doesn't want to be on the stretcher mm-hmm. for leaving the ringside. He he wants to go out on his feet. And like you've mentioned, there's there's nobody there. So how he's got any presence of mind to be doing any of this? You know, he's he's not. He, he can't possibly have a good good level of of thought process. Uh, at this point, but he's uh, he's still doing that kind of thing of wanting to walk out, wanting to be on his feet. Um, it's that that match is the craziest thing I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I feel we, we could probably have another two-hour conversation about his impact. I think as well. Mm-hmm. I'd uh, I'd heard something about after he got back into the back. Um, Vince McMahon apparently hugged him, told him he loved him, thanked him for everything he has done, but told him he was never to do anything like that ever again. Hmm. Uh, but I'm sure he still <laughs> fully uh, enjoyed the impact it will have had on the business for him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the thing that I just kind of get my head around is that this is June, and then in January he has that match with. Oh, even before that, I think. He has the whole um, empty stadium thing with the rock, doesn't he? And he's yeah. throwing down, throwing him downstairs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, or maybe that's Feb- maybe that's a February '99. Either way, he has that ridiculous I quit match with the rock, where the rock hits him about a million times. So, you know, like to go from this then to that is just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, I think he he had been one of these guys that had always thought if he. If he had a shorter career, you know, 
he could make his money, then get out, and mm-hmm. then watch his kids grow up and stuff like that. But there must have been a few points where he was not close to being able to do that, or close to not being able to do that. <sighs> the irony, and yeah, the crazy thing is, he he ends up coming back out. Yeah, uh, you know how I'd said some of the dislikes are tied in with, you know, I I can't look back and say that I'm unhappy that that match continued and all because it's such a spectacle and everything around it and all that. But for the sake of the guy's health, the fact that the match continued and then he comes out again, he should be in a hospital, but he comes out again towards the end of the the main event, which seems crazy to call anything else the main event uh, with, with what's just happened. But I know, imagine being Austin or Kane sitting watching that thinking, I've got to, <laughs> we've got to go on after that. And the thing is, yeah. I, I feel like they go on and... It, it's not a damp squib. I think it, it's probably due to how over Austin is that they probably know anybody else that could have followed that match. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, they've they've got their own good story going, and you know, it's not a it's not a wrestling match, really. It's a first blood match. But yeah, I I always wonder: are the guys in the back who need to follow it? Are they actually angry about <laughs> how good the thing before their match was? Because you know, it, it's been said before. People want to steal the show. Of course you want to steal the show. You want your match to be the thing that people go away talking about. And when you are supposed to be the main event, there must be a little bit of you that's sitting there thinking, well, nobody's going to be talking about me tomorrow. <laughs> As you mean, Jericho at uh, WrestleMania 18 sitting there watching Hogan Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is the same. I suppose you... I, I know there's been talk over years when it's happened where could that match have gone on last? Because with Hogan Rocket, it could have. But with the story they wanted to go with, with this, it if they were insistent on having Undertaker and Mankind coming out and getting involved and all that, it mm. kind of, they had to be this way round, really. But, um, oh, Jesus, yeah, it's, it's a hard act to follow. But as you say, Austin's so over that um, it's never going to be a, a damp squib. And, and the thing is with this match, it's so... St- Silly, like so. Kane's Austin, I will set myself. Like, why? Why did you say that he would set himself on fire if he didn't win this match? It's quite an odd thing to volunteer, but yeah, he, he, yeah. He says he's going to do this. He comes out fully. There's literally nothing bare on him. Mm-hmm. He was never losing a first blood match because you can't see any. You would have been able to see any blood anyway. Yeah, they they sort of reference it in the commentary team that. Apparently, Kane usually has one exposed arm, uh-huh. but he doesn't. He doesn't have that in this match. He's he's got the the full length uh, arm sleeves on both, but uh, both sides. But yeah, it's the deck is so stacked, and it it usually is in this uh, stage of the story with with Austin. True. But it is hard to look and think how is he coming out of this with a title. But at the same time, I actually went into this not remembering who who wins this match. Right. And I was a little bit surprised because, you know, you just don't think of Austin losing mm-hmm. during this era. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that he's, he loses, of all people, he loses a title to Kane. You, you probably yeah. wouldn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't, I, I kind of, after watching Hell in a Cell, I thought, like, I don't really remember this match being any good, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good as well. Yeah, it was It was entertaining. As you say, so hard to follow what just went, but... Um, for what it was being, you know, a brawl and an attempt to get your opponent to bleed. Um, 
that side's told a good story. I was as baffled as you were by the whole, you know, set myself on fire thing. Just, uh, just love fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The king is, you know, like, there's something wrong with the king, clearly. The, the fact he's so excited at the prospect of either seeing somebody bleed or somebody set themselves on fire. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a strange character. Yes. Um, this is just complete chaos. Again, we talk, I think we talked about Austin, uh, dude love match at the last pay per view being chaos. This, mm-hmm. this as well. You know, there's a the whole thing with the cell coming down and it almost looks like it's going to come down on top of Austin. Kane's, yeah. Kane's holding it and then it starts going up when Kane's like hanging over it. Uh huh. Um, and then of course we get mankind coming out. No idea why we need a ref bump when it's a non DQ match. That is <laughs> one of my biggest bugbears. I hate that. Um, and then Undertaker comes out. He's got a cheek to be limping. <laughs> I, I know he's. I know he's got a, some sort of broken bone or something like that. He's just basically killed <laughs> killed a man. He's just out there limping about. Well, he's he's going to try and kill another man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> For some reason. So I was thinking about this. I like what they've done with Undertaker here, and we know that we're building towards SummerSlam, mm-hmm. Undertaker and Austin. Yeah, and they consistently have Undertaker getting involved in Austin's business to a point to this point I think probably the next night where Austin starts to question where Undertaker's loyalties actually lie because he is the one after Austin uh, did you notice it's really really obvious that Austin blades yes like unbelievably yeah I've never noticed that before in a match but there you go Um, after Austin starts bleeding and I think as Hebner is had been laid out, uh, yeah. the Undertaker pours petrol all over him <laughs> to revive him. He wakes up, sees Austin, and rings a bell, and Kane wins the title. Uh, I like this sort of subtle, slow build with Undertaker. I think it's been mm-hmm. been done quite well. Yeah, I thought he'd he'd taken it a bit far with the you know pouring the gas on the the ref. But um, I suppose what they're looking at is. You know, Undertaker, it's probably quite a tough transition and you do have to do it gradually because I think over the years, you know, aside from when he'd first come in, he's generally been so appreciated by the fan base that turning him heel, and he he has to be a a bit heelish if he's going up against Austin in a programme, it's maybe... They're maybe just having to gradually add some some layers um, because... A lot of what he's done recently has been more babyface side, like when he came out at the last pay-per-view to make sure McMahon wasn't going to screw Austin in the title match. Yep. Um, and he's almost like the conscience of the WWF at that point. Um, whereas here, some slightly more heelish actions, I suppose throwing a guy off a cage. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fans are cheering him for it, that's the thing. They are, they are. And you know we're we're so used to uh, Mick Foley through his recent characters having been a heel because he's been up against uh, Austin and all that. So yeah, they're they're maybe trying to just put a little bit of heat on Undertaker for for what's coming in the program they're going towards. Once it happened, you know, see once Austin started bleeding, I remembered immediately how this all ended, um, and the fact that you know the the ref gets revived and then he sees and starts ringing the bell, um, and the the sort of shock. At Austin losing the belt at this stage, and you know how 
on fire. He, he is and, and has been, but let's face it, he's he's not going to be out of the title picture or anything like that. Well, he, it's a one a one day reign for Kane. One day yeah. reign for Kane because um, Austin wins the title on Raw the next night. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that is quite. Um, I don't know. Leaves a sour taste in it, you know. Like you watch that pay per view, and it's huge, and oh, it's got title back next night. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of feels like they've just undone it. Like it, it never, it never happened. You can uh, just, it's like you can hear Bruce Pritchard saying, "Nobody expected it," so that's what we went with for giving yeah. title back the next night. But, yeah, but for the spectacle of it all, it worked. Yeah, truly well. So there we go. Yeah, I think like. It's not the best pay-per-view in terms of match quality through the event. No. But it's definitely one of the most memorable pay-per-views ever. Yep, 100%. What do you put... Do you know that Hell in a Cell match is one of the only matches to have its very own Wikipedia page? Really? There you go. Wow. Um, But you have to put... It's iconic, probably not even a strong enough word... That you have to put that Hell in a Cell match up there with TLC, mm-hmm. Rock Austin as a as a as an event as a spectacle. Spectacle, there you go. Yeah, it's difficult to to place many other things up there with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it's one of those few where anyone who's seen it will remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I I do have the side of me that. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned Mick Foley has been panicked about, well, how do we top it? How do we live up to expectations? Imagine you're the next guy that gets tapped on the shoulder and told we're going to do a Hell in a Cell match. You're like, well, why? Just don't do it. Just just leave it there. Because <laughs> how do you compete? How How will it ever be what that one was? But then I suppose people thought that because they, they the first, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, was a classic in a different way. You know, it, it wasn't the hugely memorable spots, but... It's, it's that, that bump off the side of the cage. Yeah, and and there's, you know, it had storyline elements of it as well because Kane, you were introducing Kane and yeah. all that, but imagine you're the next guy that gets tapped on the shoulder and told, yeah, we're going to need you to do the next one. You're like, well, what? Adam. I, oh, I can tell you how how you top it. <laughs> you hang a man. <laughs> oh no! Was that the next hell in a cell? It's the, it was the next hell in a cell on pay per view. Um, Mankind and Kane had a hell in a cell match in August on Raw, which is I, I have no recollection of that. Um, but yeah, the next pay per view match is Undertaker Boss Man WrestleMania fifteen. Didn't we see uh, on WCW recently somebody trying to hang a guy? We did. DDP's, yeah. yeah. Tried yeah. to hang Raven. There you go. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's just, that was the inspiration. And this is how long it's going to take Vince and Bruce to come up with their own version. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Triple H and Cactus Jack and uh, No Way Out 2000, which was a great, yeah. a great match. Yeah. Maybe you just have to go into it without it in your mind that you have to top it because. It just has to be its own thing. Yep. It can't compete. That's unbelievable. There's been 50, 50 Hell in a Cell. I mean, talk about diluting and oversaturating yeah. something. Yeah, I suppose there's there's a there's a pay-per-view, pay-per-view isn't there? And there's now, like yeah. 
two matches per pay-per-view that are that are hell in the cell, I think, um, at least. Here's something that people enjoy. Let's, let's smash them over the head with it a million times. Yeah, it's, it, it's a tough one because I suppose you can see, you know, if you're a little bit struggling for an idea, you're like, that worked. Mm. What can we do with this? You know, but it the, the more you do it, the more it dilutes it, the, the less memorable it's going to be. You know, that, but, but this one, you know, the, the ones you've mentioned actually just uh, through that course were still all memorable to me, but I couldn't tell you what happened at the last Hell in a Cell pay per view. Good. Don't want to know. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> shall, I, shall, I, shall I talk a, a very quick like before we, before we wrap it. up? Go for it. Pat Patterson. Oh, hold on. I need to set the scene. So, Sable, who. We last saw walking out and giving a sort of Oscar-worthy speech to say goodbye to her fans. She'd been beaten by her husband um, in a match. She was trying to win her freedom from her husband. Um, she got defeated. Anyway, she'd been brought back two or three weeks later as Vince's um, secretary or, or, or something. PA. PA, yeah. Uh, she comes out to the ring to announce... Vince and his stooges, and for some inexplicable reason, Pat Patterson, of all people, reaches out and touches her on the backside as she's leaving, and she turns around and slaps him. And uh, first of all, JR says, yep. perhaps, <laughs> what does he say, uncharted territory? For, yep, that's it. <laughs> uncharted territory for Pat, which in itself is hilarious. And he says, hey, I've never hey, slapped a woman! <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was very funny. It did uh, it did get me. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't put it in my likes, but I've got it listed in my notes. How funny it was, and the it's <laughs> just the the JR comment kind of making it just just funnier. The way that JR puts the these little you know like under the radar sort of comments are quite funny. Yeah, he was. He, to be fair, he was quite funny during that too much Al Snow uh-huh. match as well, where he, was, he said some like the head is now legal man. What am I saying? And stuff like that. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's quite. Um, I've I've been listening to uh, some Tony Schiavone podcasts, and what they sometimes do is they do a watch along of WWF events from when WCW was really hot. So Schiavone had never seen them. He didn't. He probably had a vague idea of, you know, who the top guys were and all that, but he wasn't seeing the events as they were on. Um, And he's always said that the way JR liked to play commentary was as if it was a legitimate sporting event. Mm -hmm. And see the way he reacts to, JR reacts to some of the nonsense (laughs) at times that's going on in matches, where he's like, he'll say stuff like, I can't believe I'm calling a match where, you know, and he'll be so dry about it, yeah. and uh, that all cracks Shivani up because he's <laughs> he's like saying, "Don't get me wrong, the product's brilliant, and Jr. is the best play-by-play guy that you could have ever had." But he will have been so pissed off doing some of this stuff, and it comes across. <laughs> you hear it because he he wants it to be all serious. And I think like I think now. Uh, and I've not, uh, to be fair, I've not watched an AEW for a wee bit now, but you know, like when I've been, when I have watched it, I think you can 
in his older age, you can hear him being legitimately pissed off with some of the sort of nonsense. <laughs> Is this what we're doing? You know, like that sort of thing. It's class. Yeah. Um, so let us see where, well, should we take a wee look at where July will take us? Absolutely. So WWCW, um, we're going bash at the beach. Okay. Um, we've got Brett versus Booker, like I'd said. What else we got? Rey Mysterio makes his return. Okay. Um, for the first time in a while, he'll be taking on Jericho. Nice. Um, we're getting Kurt Henning and Goldberg. And I don't know how I feel about this. Hogan and sorry, aye, we've got so we've got Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman in the main event ah. taking on DDP and Carl Malone. Okay. Yeah. That's um, at least you know it's a little bit more interesting to me because I think I saw a little bit of this at the time, right. like the build and stuff like that. But what I wasn't really seeing when I was younger was the WCW pay-per-views. Right. Um, I, I saw the WWF ones because they were like free on Sky, you know. Um, but I remember seeing a lot of the TV around WCW and I remember the, you know, the Rodman and the Malone stuff and all that. So that's quite interesting. I think Rodman was legitimately quite a big fan mm -hmm. of WCW. He was, you know, in between games and these finals. Uh, between the Bulls and the Jazz, he was taking time out and flying yeah. at WCW shows, which is insane. Yeah, I think he was getting some fines from, from the Bulls for that kind of thing. Yeah, I think they touched on that in that Netflix series, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what that's like. It sounds like a freak show, but we'll see. Like, on yeah. on the, the Nitro after that pay-per-view, Hogan and Savage are straight... Immediately calling out DDP, I, I couldn't quite. I thought I, I must have missed something because obviously DDP is okay. not on that pay per view. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, with WWF, we've got fully loaded. Um, we're going to get Val Venus's long awaited pay per view debut. Uh, we've mm -hmm. been seeing sort of these video packages for him for a while. Yep. We've got Sable and Jacqueline and a bikini contest with Master okay. of Ceremonies, Jerry Lawler. Of course. Q, lots of streaking. Um, we get a two out of three falls match for the Intercontinental Championship, The Rock and Triple H. Okay. I'm in. I'm up for that. Um, Mark Henry and the big fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. oh dear, Adam. I don't know if you... Have you watched The Raw after King of the Ring? I've not. So... LOD 2000 come out to the ring. Oh no. With no Sonny. Oh no. Um, and they welcome Paul Ellering back, oh, he's back as, he? as their manager. Okay. So uh, they're all like sort of hugging it up and DOA come down on their bikes. Ah, uh, that sense what's coming here. And Paul Ellering screws over the Legion of Doom and, and Son of a sides bitch. with the DOA. So we're getting our. Our uh, long-awaited DOA LOD rematch at the next pay-per-view. Ah, uh, it's, it's you know it's what's best for business, I suppose. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> certainly. <is. sighs> we get a dungeon match. 
Owen versus Ken Shamrock. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't really remember the match, but I remember it being a thing. I remember it looking like it was like in a school gym hall or something yeah. like that. The, the, the match down and that. Yeah. So yeah. And main event wise, we've got the four the four main guys going against each other in a tag match, Austin and Undertaker versus Kane and Mankind. Okay. Uh, it okay. looks like it's for the tag titles. Right. So um Outlaws must drop them. Some okay. Kane and Mankind look to be the champions. So there I you can, go. I can get into these. That's, I think there's enough to to make me want to watch these from what you've talked through. I've no doubt there'll be some absolute shit shows in there, but you know, I've I've got some enthusiasm right now, so that's a that's a good start. Yeah. Booker V Bray, I'm excited. Yeah. Me too. Why be excited? Ah, it's normally me that brings you back down, isn't it? I say something like You ah, know they'll, they'll make them out. Yeah, this is not gonna be just a match between the two of them, clean finish, all that, you know, it's just gonna be shenanigans. But you never know. You do know. <laughs> but you never know. Um I feel like ever since we started on this journey, I can't wait to get to SummerSlam ninety eight and we're nearly there. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's close, and it's, it's going to be elected. <laughs> I assume. I assume we're going to do the thing again, where we just do the WWF show and the WCW show, and then you know we're a full step closer, rather than having to do show about. Oh, I. Oh, yeah. yes, the way forward. <laughs> and you never know. I may even have some more interesting facts about people being born and in that month. That that that's the highlight of the show. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's been that's been fun. Thanks, Adam. That's all right. That was good. Hope you enjoyed your birthday show. I I, I did. Your birthday did. show sounds a little bit seedy. Yeah, I was thinking if you paid for something that's gonna because <laughs> it's 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 a little bit late. If, if there's you a have on the door, it's a big fat piece of shit. <laughs> oh no! And he wants uh, to take off his mask. I kind of now hoping that you've got the wrong address <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, with that revelation. <laughs> You enjoy your evening, and um, I'll see you for episode 25, a quarter of a century. Yeah, it's a, it's a landmark, yes. landmark episode. Yeah. yeah. We might even have a special guest. Awesome. For that next one. So until then, take it easy. Give us a shout at Outlaws Pod on Instagram. We'd be happy to hear from you, unless you are, oh, Adam, unless you are, I feel a like fat piece of shit. Oh, see, I knew you were setting me up for something, and I just totally let you down by not following where you were going. God damn it! <sighs> hey, I've never been there, my lady. <laughs> see you for episode twenty-five. Take it easy. Cheers. <laughs>